0: Hello and welcome to another edition of Wise Counsel Weekly. I'm your host Tanyan Farley, and I have my co-host with me, Alex. Alex, how you doing this morning, my friend? Oh well, man. How about you? How was that trip? It was a good weekend. Uh, definitely nice to get away. It was the first time I've been on an airplane since March 14th, which wow. for me is a very yeah, long that's a, time. Yeah,
1: that's a long time, man. <laughs> yeah, it's,
0: it's the least I've traveled. Um, definitely in the last, you know, eight years. So that's pretty it was different for sure. It was different for sure. And seeing everyone on the plane with a mask. If you haven't been on an airplane, anyone that's listening in a while, make sure you bring your mask, uh, protect the people around you. The mask is not for you, right? It's for the folks on the plane that that, that may be a little more vulnerable than you are. So that Absolutely. was definitely an interesting experience.
1: Yeah, not bad. Not bad at all, man. Uh, so what we got on the docket for today?
0: So actually that little uh, piece we talked about right there actually intros really well into our topic of the day, which is resiliency, right? And how to build it, what resiliency is and, and really how you can cultivate it in your personal and professional life. So uh, we have that as our main topic today. We have a big guest today. Um, our guest is Brian Michael Cooper. He is the president of the Houston Rep Roughnecks in the XFL. He's a Columbia law grad uh, he's got a Harvard degree as well. Um, the guy has done many things and has a lot of insight that I think will bring to the table as both an attorney and working as a leader in, in sports and, and, you know, more specifically now in, in a league that was very successful up until, uh, you know, the coronavirus pandemic. So I think it will be really interesting to hear from him on, you know, not only his life, but on resiliency. And then, you know, we'll segue into our quick hits with Bobby Dixon, get his perspective and then. Our big three for today um, is people that we think of when the when the word resiliency is mentioned, right? So, really, we tried to stick to modern times. Alex mm-hmm. and I joked that you know you could go back as far as you want on this on someone, but we try to stick with people uh, that are kind of more modern, but people that we think of when we think of resiliency. Yeah, absolutely. So let's head into game time, man. So today the topic is resilience, man. So
1: so what comes to mind uh, when you think of the word resilience to you, Tanya?
0: So I actually went and looked up the definition of resilience because in my mind, I have this vision of almost like a riot shield in front of you, right? That you can take things off of it and keep going forward. So the definition of resilience is actually the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties or, you know, toughness is really Mm -hmm. what they had written down. So for me, I think about someone that is tough, not only physically, but mentally, Um, And then professionally, obviously, a business that can, you know, take hits and and keep moving forward is really what I think of. So, uh, you know, we'll dive into, uh, you know, the different kind of pieces of resiliency here in a minute. But what do you think of when the word resiliency is mentioned?
1: I mean, for me, man, resilience is just not quitting. Um, Even against all odds, I'm going to keep standing, just like your immune system um, is probably the most resilient thing I could think of, because no matter what or what gets inside of you, what infections are inflicting you at the moment, your immune system just won't let you die. Um, it wants you to keep living. And that's what resilience is in real life. I mean, we want you to keep going. want you to keep thriving, even in the business world. You wanna keep that business alive. You wanna keep moving it to new heights. Um, and regardless of what adversities come, come your way, you wanna move through those and break through those brick walls to make sure that you're achieving the goals that you wanna achieve. I mean, honestly, resilience requires courage. And courage is really developed in, you know, dire situations. Those situations are what brings out the best in us. It's not about, you know, what the situation is, it's how you respond to those situations um, when that adversary hits and that determines your growth. Um, And that's when you see the resilience in someone. And that's when you see that greatness in that person.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And I think, you know, from a from a personal perspective, right? I think there's a couple of things that I think of when I think of resilience, right? I think of psychological resilience, emotional resilience, physical resilience. And then the last one is community resilience, right? So you hit on a couple of those, which you know really I think apply to the personal level, which is psychologically, like how can I move forward from how can I move through this, you know, adversity that's in front of me. So I, I thought about it a little bit. From a personal perspective what you can do right so the first thing that that i think about is you know you can face your fears and change the narrative so for most of us the fear of what's happening is much greater than what's actually happening right we talked about this a few episodes back where we talked about you know 91 percent of the the fears that people had about the pandemic didn't come to pass so you think about if you can confront those fears a little at a time and find a way to move forward and you know change the narrative with yourself so that you are more confident in yourself. I think that's, that's really important. I also think that um, understanding that you, know, you need to take some self-compassion is important as well. I think that you know, we're all going to suffer losses. We're all going to you know, make mistakes. We're all going to fall down. I think understanding that you're not the only one that's going through that and forming that in your mind, I think is really right. important because then you can understand kind of how to move forward and, and how to grow yourself. Um, in that capacity and then really from a business perspective um, I've thought about this a lot the last couple months is how do we make a resilient business and I think that you know Brian will comment on that today when it comes to his experience and Bobby will as well but my kind of two cents there is there's really there's really a couple elements and I think the first one is being as efficient as possible in your workplace at all times so that you have you know, efficient process is number one, but you have ample cash, you have ample support resources and you have processes in place that will work, you know, whether they're remote or whether they're in person. So I think focusing on that stuff when times are good uh, is really important because obviously, you know, when times are good, it's really easy to use that kind of cash or to use that kind of manpower and other sources mm-hmm. when you could be focusing on building a resilient business. Right. The second piece, which I think we've seen during not only the COVID pandemic, but during you know, the social justice um, kind of movement that's sweeping the country right now is that building and, you know, investing in your community is incredibly important because when times are tough, your community is going to be a key piece of making you resilient, right? I think about small businesses that started with, you know, maybe the owner was doing, you know, the example I think of right now is, you know, the fitness studios that have been really hit hard by the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Most of those are franchise owned, right? So you have an owner that is teaching the classes, doing the books, all that stuff. But they've built a community within that fitness center where those people love that person. They respect that person. They want that business to succeed. So because of that, when those businesses went online, guess what? Those people were buying into it. They were supporting Mm -hmm. them through that. They were saying, Hey, let's buy from local businesses. So I think, you know, the two key points that I can think of from a business perspective is really, you know, when times are good, make sure you focus on being efficient and finding ways to, to keep your business ready for, you know, anything that comes up. And then number two is, you know, invest in your community. What are your thoughts on that?
1: man that's that's spot on. I mean those tactics are what you need to, to build your business and, and continue to fight through adversity and, at different times. I mean, honestly, struggle is, is the classroom of growth. so you don't know you know how great you are until you have to go through something like that. And especially with your your legacy in hand, with that business and that name brand, you want to leave a lasting memory in people's minds of how you fight through a situation, how you come back after a COVID pandemic, how you come back after the community's kind of been burned down, so to say. Um, Your legacy is determined by how many times you get back up uh, after being knocked down. Uh,
0: Yeah, I think that's spot on. And I think that that's actually a perfect transition into our guest, uh, Brian Michael Cooper today, who has... You know, worked in several industries, um, is a attorney, and like I said, most recently was the president of the Houston Roughnecks in the XFL. So we're going to bring him on now to discuss you know, a little about his life and how to be resilient in your professional and personal life. All right, we now welcome on Brian Cooper, um, former assistant AD at Rice University, former president and GM of the Rio Grande Vipers of the G League, uh, current attorney and president of the Houston Roughnecks of the XFL Football League. So, Brian, good morning. How are you?
2: Good morning. Good to be here.
0: Awesome, man. We're happy to have you on. As I kind of just ran through there, you know, Brian has done a number of things on top of being, um, you know, an attorney that has degrees from Cornell, Harvard, and Colombia so that's quite the that's quite the list there so we wanted to make sure we shared that with the group and and really with Brian we wanted to talk to him a little about his background um, how he's kind of reached this point and you know on the topic of resiliency today that we've covered you know with Bobby Dixon and in our intro here just how you continue to take things that happen in your life whether good or bad whether in your control or not in your control and continue to move forward so Brian why don't you just give us a little bit on the on your background and, and kind of what you're doing now
2: appreciate it thank you and thanks, you thanks for having me here so yeah I mean I was born and raised in Indiana Evansville Indiana uh left the home at 17 to go to, to Cornell University uh I played two years of football there I will put those in air quotes because uh, cause, uh I was so good as quarterback when I got there that he moved me immediately to tailback. And so, uh, <laughs> at that point it was a downhill. You talk about resiliency right there. It was already downhill right there. Right, so, right. Uh, I knew at some point I kind of had the, you know, the, 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 the talk that the coaches give you like, look, uh, you might want to hit those books. And so, uh, I did that, but sports was always a love of my life. Um, and so I, I went on to graduate school and to law school, uh, intern for the NFL in the, uh, in the uh, management council office with them and then went to Proskauer Rose uh, and just started my career as a sports attorney from there. um, Practiced in New York and then in Houston uh, and then ultimately ended up at the Vipers and then from then on kind of moved into the executive side. And so sports has always been a great part of my life uh, from from college to to law school to practicing as a lawyer. Uh, I represented I think just about every league except uh, for Major League Baseball at this point. Um,
0: huh. Well, they could use your help from what it looks <laughs> like.
2: <laughs> uh, Work with some great players as an agent. Uh, you know, I did that for about uh, 10 years as well, both basketball and football players, and I enjoyed that a lot. Got to meet some really great guys, um, obviously, at the time at Rice, and then um, also spent time at Dish Network as the director of sports programming there, and got to do some great things up there, and then um, ultimately, went back into the practice, and then went to and then an opportunity to, to lead the Roughnecks came along, and it was a, it was a you know a dream job. I get to run for a football team in my favorite city of Houston. Uh, couldn't beat it. And awesome. We were five and zero. Oh. We're getting ready that's to win Right, next. that's right. <laughs> the coronavirus yet, and everything kind of went downhill from there, unfortunately. Uh, but it, you know, it was a wonderful time. I loved. Mm-hmm. Uh, Time with the roughnecks i think we did a lot of great things and i think the league did a lot of great things as well and you know we'll yeah, i see agree what happens with them going forward but uh, right now you know it's you know it's a little bit uh put up in the air as to what's going to happen but uh keeping an eye on everything there and seeing see if it uh, has a resolution at some point
0: yeah right, I, right. I mean i think people completely understand that you know the thing that i want i want to make sure everyone that is listening understands is we have watch, I've watched football since I can remember, right? And it's been a huge part of my life. <clears throat> and I can say that the success of the XFL this year was the most incredible thing I've seen in comparison to the NFL in my entire life. And I also want to specify, and I know that not all of our listener base is in Houston, but we have you know, all the major sports here and the fans for all of those are very crazy about it. And I can tell you that this spring, roughneck fever completely <laughs> took over Houston oh, I mean people, really people were everywhere in jerseys people were all in I mean it was it was the most exciting team to watch in the league so yeah. Brian kudos to you for what you guys pulled together there I think um, you know regardless of what happens forward with the with the XFL I think that you've proven your you know your ability to lead a team and, and lead a successful team in a big city so I think that was really cool to watch so I appreciate
2: be- it well yeah and it definitely was a team effort at, like June and and and, uh, and and the coaches on their side just did an incredible job June really was yeah, uh, just in, you know able you know he's the father of the run and shoot with mouse mm-hmm. Davis and they ran that thing to perfection in the xFL and you have you know you get a quarterback like PJ Walker um, and then on the business side we had some great people working for us and and, and you know the funny thing is you know all of that you know was you know when I joined the team, we didn't have a name. We were XFL Houston and, you know, building that staff from literally one person to 30, you know, over mm. a year, it's, it really is, uh, it's, it's really interesting to see it develop. And then when you take the field, you're like, wow, I can't believe, you know, eight months ago, we were a thought, right. And now all of a sudden ah, we're, we're, we're actually taking a field with helmets and uniforms and, and, and winning. and, and, and with, you know, we had 18,000 fans averaged 18,000 and 20,000 in our last game. We were going to 25 at our our next. It was, it was special. And, and I, the city of Houston was just, I man, it just elected. I just love the fans, love the city. It's, it's a, I, I, will, I will fight anyone that says that this is not the best sports city in the country. Right, uh,
1: that's right. Yep, that's, that's right. Um, just for uh, reminiscing on uh, my days prior to working with Athenian Consulting Group at a sports retailer in town, and a lot of the, my former co-workers there were letting me know just how many requests they were getting for roughneck apparel or roughneck jerseys. So I definitely understand the sports fever that was hitting at the time. Um, just let me know, how was it you know, running a professional football team? Was it what you expected? Was it a little bit different? You know, Because I know you've been with the Rio Grande and, and also been with the Rice University. So how was it running a pro, a pro football team?
2: It was, you know, a little bit different, definitely mm-hmm. a larger market, than we had an RGB, but similar circumstances. Um, I got to RGV, um, we were, you know, the team was, was in its second year, so we didn't have to build everything. But there's a lot of stuff that we had to build uh, for that team uh, down in the valley. And mm-hmm. one of the things down there was trying to just and, and, and with the Roughnecks was the parallel of building the brand, right? Building that brand recognition and getting people to see, you know, what the team was about um we did that through the rockets with the vipers you know we developed the relationship with the rockets turned you know did the first hybrid deal with them with the roughnecks um we had you know it was a little bit different because literally you know we started from absolute scratch i mean i'm the first you know on the business side you know i was the first hire june was the first hire you know he had to build his coaching staff i'm building our staff and we didn't even get fully staffed up until around christmas wow. so we were um you know, in addition to, you know, kind of, you know, I've heard some people say well, we were building a plane while we were flying it. And that's really sort of what was happening, right? It had, it was, you know, we were kicking off in February. That was going to happen. So we had to kind of hit all those those benchmarks, getting tickets on sale, getting things in place for um, all the things that were going to happen for game day. All that stuff was going to have to happen. So as people were coming on board, um, it was a definitely a, a shorter time period to get ramped up. And that was um, a little exciting, but a little nerve-wracking as well, because, you, know, you know, like I said, there was, there was no, you know, we were kicking off on February 8th, so mm-hmm. there was no excuses to say, well, we need to move it back a week because we're not ready. It was like, you're going to be ready. And so we just had to get, and I we had a lot of great staffers who came in and said, yeah, let's get this done. Uh, and we did. And so that was the biggest thing. I think the little, the difference there between that and maybe the Vipers was at the shorter time frame and the fact we had to build so much going forward.
0: Right. Yeah. No, that sounds like, I mean, we've talked on this podcast a lot about having a date on the calendar and the importance of a date on a calendar and what that means to your accountability and your, you know, your ability to track towards your goals. So I think that's a great point. And the fact that, you know, this is kicking off on February 8th, whether we want it to or not. Right. And we're going to make it happen. So I think that's, that's really incredible to hear and, and kind of how it, it builds up to it. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, how you, because you'd mentioned it, you had to build a brand a way of operations and a football team. Can you talk a little bit about that process? Obviously I know there's a lot of work that went into it, but being kind of your really your second or third go-around of building a brand, because I think really at Rice you focused a lot on that too. Like how what did you take from those situations to roll into this one to kind of build that out?
1: Yeah, I think
2: you know my core component with all of this is connecting. Like I, I love sports because I like connecting with fans. Plain and simple. I like connecting with people. The fan experience is critical. And I think For us, we had to really do the hard work and rolling up the sleeves of of getting the grassroots marketing together. And um, I know a lot of people sometimes say, well, you know, know, we've gotten through new technology and data analytics, and we can pinpoint who really likes it. Here's our core audience group. Let's go after them. But a lot of it is just kind of getting out there and meeting people and making sure they understand that there's a connection, because I think that they got to know you care, right? If you don't show that you care, um, they're not going to really follow you and showing that you care means getting out and really meeting folks So what we did um, And we did it in RGB and we did it in Houston, which was we got out for fan events We got you know at the first couple fan events. We had like maybe 20 people then we had 30 And right? we had 40 and we started getting and I told people I told my staff. I said look it's gonna be slow at the beginning People yep. don't know us. So we may have 10 people show up at an event, right? You don't know who we are and then over time we continue to build that brand, and we continue to kind of build those stair-step processes to continue to connect with the fans. One of the things we also, you know, really, uh, I really drilled into, you know, uh, our, our staff was customer service and customer feedback, you know, always getting back to somebody very quickly. And I think we developed the reputation pretty quickly that, hey, you know, we're going to, you know, we're going to respond when you have a concern. I, I would get emails from fans, and I would, you know, but I worked, 18-19 hours a day, and right. I, you know, around eight or nine o'clock, yep. I'd go and start looking at email. We had a general info email account, and you know, you'd get the person. Well, I didn't, you know, I was at the game and the beer line was long, whatever. And I'd write back. I'd say, hey, I'm sorry about that. And you know, I mean, it's a little, you know, surprising, right, to get a an you the, present, goes, oh the president, the president of the team, you <laughs> right. back. And I was like, you know, but that's the things you got to do. It's the little things like right. that. But you have to do and it takes a lot of time. I always love it when you hear people talking about, yeah, I came in and a." It, it just to build that kind of brand, particularly in sports, you've got to do the little things and do them uh, consistently. And over time you'll get that connection. And we you know we still have work to do, but I'm I'm very proud of what 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 our staff did. And we brought in people who had that mentality. I wanted people on our, our staff who understood. That this was not going to be. If you came in thinking that this was going to be something that was going to happen overnight, right. uh, you were going to be really disappointed, and, and and you know it was you were going to be disheartened quickly. And I, I, I would I, I would tell people this all the time in sports. Um, you know we're on the front office side. We aren't the you know we're, you know we're not the you know I, I say the duck on the water a lot. You know if, if you people will hear me say that repeatedly. Yep. We are underneath the we're we're the, we're the legs turning. Nobody sees us. The duck is moving smoothly across. That's the football team. That's the game you see on on Saturday or Sunday. Right. The foot office is behind the scenes, and if you're not willing to be that individual, it's very difficult to, I think, have a have a career in sports because it's not a lot of it's a long hours and not a lot of recognition. And oh, yeah. it's got some special people who really love what they're doing uh, to do it. And and we have some good people doing that.
1: Absolutely. And just hearing you talk about the people that you guys hire and bring on, it kind of takes me back to one of my internships. I literally interned the f- inaugural year for the Skeeter.
0: Oh, with, with the Skeeter. Everyone dogs. in there had
1: to do everyone else's job and yeah. make sure that the, the <laughs> boat was still still afloat. Yeah. Um, and, but that just speaks to the topic of today of resiliency. And, and I just wanted to ask, like, with you being with the Rio Grande, building up that team, and building up the Roughnecks as well. It's somewhat of an underdog story, if you think about it, and the building <laughs> that up from the beginning. Yeah. You know, did you have that chip on your shoulder every day when you came into that every building day. just to keep <laughs> that going?
2: Every day. I, you know, I, I, uh, I mentioned a story. Uh, we had a uh, an individual talk to us, right, maybe after our third or third home game, you know, right? Like we were just, you know, like we, we, at this point, we were average, you know, we had, had 18, 18, and 20, and then we were gonna have 25. Then somebody say to us, he goes, yeah, you know, I don't know. You know, it's rough next. You know, what are you guys thinking? Probably uh, 20, 2,500, You know, fans a game, and, wow. and I was like, I said, you know, right now, I go. If you put us in the NBA, we'd be thirteenth in overall average attendance. We had, wow. you know, we had over eighteen thousand in average yeah. attendance. I, and I said, so, and I think that that that, that chip is always there, right? Mm-hmm. And it's actually a good motivator, right? It's like you know, it's it's fine. You don't necessarily, you know. Um, you don't think, you know, we can do this Then we'll demonstrate it and, and, and get it done. And I remember with the Vipers, my first league meeting, um, we were dead last in every metric. And, you know, there's nothing like going to a league meeting where you're sitting there and you're like, you're running out of everything. And I mean, we're just, every economic metric is like, we were just, you know, bottom. And you're sitting there and you're thinking, okay, <laughs> we got some work to do. But yeah, you have that, you have that chip and that underdog mentality say, Hey, look, you know what? We're going to be okay. We're going to roll up our sleeves and get it done. And certainly in the XFL, I think, as well, I think until people really understood what we could do and came to a game and saw how it was and saw how professional it was and saw the atmosphere, um, you know, it, it took some time to win over folks. But that 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 chip never really goes away, I think. You know, you want to kind of, um, you know, it's always, you know, even I remember, you know, we were watching uh, The Last Dance when Michael mm-hmm. Jordan was manufacturing chips, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Then, well didn't
1: want to put him, on the shoulder, certain, man.
2: Right? You know, things that might not necessarily even have happened, you know, you yeah. know. So I think it's always good to have that motivator, you know, to, to kind of get you going. And and we had enough motivation as well. People we needed to make sure we got our name out there and people wanted to see who you are. And so we, we we had to get that done. And and, and I don't think it's a it's a, I, I wanna stress it's not a bad way to have that underdog mentality, right? I think right. it keeps you focused quite frankly i think you can get complacent if you don't you know and um i think it's always kind of good to say hey look you know don't read the press don't read your own press you know I think people always have said that you know because you know quite frankly there's more work that you have to be done
0: yeah no i think those are all dead on i think you hit on a couple really key points that we talked about earlier in the podcast as far as what can a business do to build resiliency focus on the community manage expectations and then when all you know craziness breaks loose lean on your values because you know that's what's going to guide you you just mentioned from a personal perspective really what you can do to kind of build resiliency put that chip on your shoulder carry on continue to move forward so how do you as someone who you know is a columbia law grad has a harvard degree has a cornell degree has worked in all these worked and led in all these major organizations continue to have that underdog mentality continue to build resiliency each and every time i mean I know not everyone knows all of your background, but guys, I can safely say that each one of his positions he's taken is a stair step up the ladder. And I think we're looking pretty soon at, you know, hopefully, you know, whatever your next endeavor is, baseball sounds like it needs your help, but whatever the next thing is, how do you continue to build that resiliency and continue to stay fiery and grow knowing your pedigree and background?
2: I think you know it's it's kind of keeping that you know it's keeping being grounded right you in sports can do that to you right sports is the sports is the great equalizer right it's like when you're up 28 to 3 in a super bowl in the fourth quarter you know and i won't name names but you know i mean it's it, it is it, it sports keeps you from getting complacent i think and i think and that's same true in business i think that you you have to um always be looking to grow and learn and one of the things I, i've been trying to do and i'm not really great at it, which is I want to always try to advance and find something different there's always something you know that I can see or learn uh that I, that I want to you know to uh to do and I think once you do that that kind of keeps that motivation going um I think many of you, you know, were talking about many of the things that I've done in my career a lot of them also were strategically uh done so that I could build another skill set you know I've told I talk to people about this all the time you know about you know, where do you want to be in five or ten years? And I said, generally, look, like, this is not—I I did not do this the mm-hmm. proper way, which was kind of look at yourself and say, okay, I need these skill sets. So we'll, we'll go ahead, go out and get them. You know, okay, this job's going to help me do this. This job's going to help me do this, and I think that allows you to do it as well. And so I think I stay motivated partly because I think there's just so much. I think I think if you get to a point where you're like, I'm, you know, I'm I'm fully formed and I got everything I can do, then that's a red flag because I yep. think there's always I'm hoping that I'm continuing to learn you know, uh, you know for, throughout my life I don't think I think right. I want to if I'm not doing that I think that that to me I think that I'm just kind of I'm kind of wasting a little bit mm-hmm. of time I'm here you know, we're not, you know I don't get super existential here but I don't think we're you know we're not here for a surprisingly long period of time and I think if we if we're not trying to advance and grow and I mean even if it's learning a new language or yeah. you know um, you know or, or an instrument or something I mean I just think that there's always going to be room to do that and so even in business and in life I kind of have always felt like okay I need you know I'd like to you know get this skill set and let's see if I can you can't make this work too
1: Gotcha, gotcha. That makes perfect sense. I hate the stagnant feeling of a job or a certain uh, training or something like wanna
0: Yeah, I completely agree, Alex. You're kind a little bit. Uh, Yeah, go ahead. Oh, Keep going. oh, sorry about that. Yeah, yeah no worries, yeah,
1: Brian. Just mentioning that you have uh, being an avid runner that has completed you know, a New York City marathon and two Houston half marathons, um, from that alone, they can just tell that you're a resilient person that, you know, when that wall comes up and you got to fight through it to finish through with that marathon. But also sometimes you have, you know, weather delays or, or, or maybe it's freezing cold that day and you still got to fight through it to finish those races. Some things are just out of your control, you know. So how in the business sense do you, uh, despite what's going on in the occurrences that are out of your control in the business world, how do you continue to move forward in that aspect as well? No,
2: it's a great question, and I think what I do is, the key is versatility. Mm -hmm. Uh, I me, I I will always preach that you have a plan A, and then you have a plan B, C, D, E, and so on. And with the Roughnecks in particular, that was one key core point of how we built our staff. I I wanted to make sure they understood fully, like, look, this is a startup endeavor. There are going to be U-turns and and shifts in the road. Are you capable of managing the unknown? you know and and that means you got to be versatile you got to have you know if you are stuck to you know and kind of have the blinders on It okay this is the plan i've got and i'm going to make it work no matter what um and people will do that they'll like i'm going to fit this square peg into the circle hole i think when you have you know three or four backup alternative paths um, then you can say, okay, look, we were, we, this hit us, we didn't see it coming, let's go this way. This hit us, we didn't see it coming, let's move this way. And, um, and so it was very important for me to have people on our staff who were versatile, who knew that they could, you know, that, they, could, they, could, they could roll with it and roll with the punches. And I think that's how, you know, you continue to kind of be, you know, resilient, how you can, um, you know, kind of manage the unexpected, right? There's always, I think the most consistent thing is that there are going to be some things that just happen that are out of your control? Yep. Coronavirus, right? I mean, this is right. this is a prime case in point of COVID nineteen, right? Yeah. Where you you know try to fall back on other alternative paths and look back and say, okay, look, we've been we've been we've been um, faced with a, a challenge, all right how do we overcome that challenge and and, and there's never a bad idea this is the other thing hopefully I can stress to folks Um, I'm always concerned when individuals don't allow for the free you know and I hope that you know I hope in life that I have been you know (laughs) hopefully my staff would agree with me but I hope that I've been one who has has really championed having open discussion and saying look you know I want to hear all ideas. The one thing that always was my pet peeve with my staff, and I've told them this, I said, look, the one thing that will drive me nuts is if you don't raise an idea, and then we do something, we go down the wrong path, and then you come back and say, oh yeah, this is the idea I had. I'm like, just, yeah. just keep it, save it, you know? But, but it, given, it's kind of having that versatility and that brainstorming, I think that helps you weather uh, things that, you know, again, there's gonna be things that you just can't, can't predict, but having enough, you know, alternatives in place and, and taking all ideas into place, um, you can only get better that way. It's, again, it's a learning process for everybody as well.
0: No, we completely agree. I mean, I think rolling with the punches, continuing to grow. The other thing you mentioned is continuing to learn. And we had we had a guest on a few weeks back, and we talked about how you know Warren Buffett still reads you know four hours a day every day to learn something. So if we're not doing that, right, that's <laughs> That's a, you know, a knock on us because he's you know, one of the most successful men of our time. So I think that's, that's really key. So I know we're kind of running a little short on time here. I just got one last question for you. So now that you know, we're kind of at where we're at in time and we're moving forward, what are you doing now to grow your skill set, to better yourself, to get ready for whatever that next opportunity is? Because I think a lot of people listening are thinking, well, you know, he's done a lot of things. He continues to learn from everything he's doing. What are you doing right now to manufacture that?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I, you know, i continually, look, I'm trying to, to learn and build on uh, language skills, for example, um, as, you know, it looks like I'm going to head back into sports practice and law, law, and so I'm kind of, you know, getting uh, used to, you know, learning, you know, what's, what's happening, particularly on the transactional side with respect to, tra- you know, legal transactions. Um, and so I'm kind of getting myself back up to speed with respect to how those deals are going to get done and how we can do things a little bit more efficiently as well. And, and are there things that we can do to advance kind of the practice um, so that it's, you know, it works a little bit better. We're in a different world now. Yeah. Um, the other thing I'm doing is kind of to that end, segueing into that we're managing what what's happening different in, in both the legal and sports industries now with respect to COVID-19. It's different. It's going to be a different world now. You've got, Uh, spectator sports, at least in the immediate future, for example, probably not coming back to where they were pre-COVID, obviously. What does that mean for all the people who are the ancillary people who are working uh, within those industries, both hospitality or custodial or concessions? All those things, you know, you got to look at those industries as well. And so trying to get a better sense of kind of where everybody is in this kind of post-COVID or... Current and then potentially yep. post COVID nineteen world, so there's a lot of learning to do right now. I, I'm always concerned when people kind of get on and say, "Well, you know, we're able to do this, this, and this," and i was like, "We haven't even. I mean, that's that's a, a little early to make a very yeah. specified uh, decision, Kind of going back to what I said before about having those alternate paths. So I think that's how right now. That's what I'm doing is trying to learn as much about how we can manage um, these industries." Uh, in what will be a probably a new normal normal
0: going forward yeah no that sounds great well listen brian thank you so much for coming on today we really appreciate your insight Uh, i think your you know stories and and not only you know your mentality but kind of how you wrap those together to continue to better yourself and and gave some practical tips on folks can on how folks can do that as well i think will be great for our listeners so we appreciate it man we look forward to having you on Hopefully in, in October, November, when you got you know, something else, great going. So we're looking forward to it, man.
2: I appreciate it. No, I'm glad to, glad to be on and, and glad to have the discussion. Thanks so much.
0: Thanks. Awesome. Thanks, Brian.
1: So now we're here for some quick hits from our managing partner, Bobby Dixon. How you doing today, Bobby?
3: I'm doing well, guys. How are you guys this afternoon?
1: Not bad. Not bad. So uh, throughout COVID-19 pandemic, there's been a lot of talk about resilient businesses. And what does that term mean to you? And how can a business owner mold his business to be resilient?
3: Sure. Uh, well, I think resiliency to me, you know, simply in the simplest terms means you know just the ability to withstand uh, the pressures that come uh, with changing seasons and changing climates and, and all those sorts of things. Right. You know, to to have a longevity, you know, uh, about yourself uh, as, as cycles and seasons change. So, uh, you know, with that meaning in mind, you know, I think about, you know, the model that best depicts resiliency for businesses probably, you know, Michael Porter's uh, five forces model, right? When, when you think about it, you have a company in the middle, you have five forces, be it, you know, market competition, um, you know, pricing, what have you, right, uh, that are surrounding and applying pressure at all times, right? And so it's not the absence of pressure, you know, from those five forces. And I encourage anybody who's not familiar with those things to, 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 to look up Michael Porter's five forces, but it, it's not the absence of pressure applied, right? It is the ability yep, to right. best position yourself uh, to withstand those pressures, right, uh, and emerge kind of with a competitive victory, so, in uh, answering your question, and kind of applying that model, I, I think it's it's the companies who can put in practice, practice, the, 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 the um, you know, concepts like being nimble, agile, lean, all these things that have become buzzwords, you know, in, in our, in our business economy, right, it's, it's, we've got uncertainty, right, we've got accelerated pace of change, we've got, you know, change, change coming at paces that's 10 years ahead of schedule. Right? You know, and so Uh, it's not that change was never going to come. It's just that it's come so quickly. So I I think the resilient businesses are those that are not going to fight the change, they're going to embrace it. Uh, They're going to try to in a sustainable way, you know, position themselves to to best withstand it, and hopefully emerge right with some, um, some provocative models and concepts.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point. And actually that aligns a lot with the conversation we had earlier with each other and with uh, Brian Cooper as well, talking about, you know, how to remain resilient as a business and what to focus on. So to kind of shift gears, but stay on the same topic here in a more personal sense, uh, what do you think makes a resilient person? Is it a similar makeup to what makes a business resilient, right? Staying agile, staying nimble, or, or do you think there's some nuances from a personal level that helps you stay resilient through, you know, issues you face?
3: Yeah, that's a good good question. I, I would say, you know, certainly there's similarities, right? And we've got pressures, not necessarily market pressures, but life pressures, right? Uh, that sure as we live, you are going to come, right? And so I, I think, you know, rel- uh, rather than business models and, and processes, right, we've got ethos, right? Uh, and, and, and things that we subscribe to and, and, and internal compasses that tell us, hey, no matter what the season is, uh, no matter what the cycle is, right? You know, these are some things I'm going to hold fast to, right? <laughs> right? You know, to kind of you know get me through and and and, and over you know these obstacles. Uh, and these are things that I'm going to have to make adjustments, right? As change comes, and so it's kind of wisdom, I guess, is the vehicle that helps you understand uh, and discern the difference between you know when you need to stand firm and adjust. So I, so I think there's some slim similarities, but with people, I, I think we're more akin to to um, you know, other creatures, right, of nature. I look at, you know, things like the turtles, right? Uh, I mean, you know, on one account, you know, they are the slowest animal, you know, know what I You watch them move and it's almost painful to watch, right? right. Yep. Uh, but life expectancy, right? Uh, you know, and so you kind of go back and say, hey, man, you know, life's not a sprint, it's a marathon, right? Um, and, and slow and steady often wins. And so you take that same turtle, uh, he's got that shell. Right. Uh, And he's got a sense, you know, to know when to kind of curl back up Mm -hmm. in that shell. Uh, uh, You take a lizard, for instance. Right. You know, when we have them running around here in Houston all the time. Right. Um, Those lizards have adaptability that when you grab them, I mean, the tail just kind (laughs) of, you know, pops right off. They they keep moving. Mm -hmm. And so I think humans, you know, have to kind of function, you know, somewhat like like these businesses we talk about. Um, but, but then also, you know, like, like creatures in their habitats and that, um, Hey man, there's, there's some survival instincts that we were all born with, yeah. uh, and, and, and the wisest among us kind of figure them out, right. And put them into practice.
0: Yeah, no, yeah. it makes complete sense. I think Absolutely. those are, those are very practical examples for people that can understand, you know, the visual example of how that ties together. But I think that makes a lot of sense when it plugs into resiliency.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you bringing up the idea of the turtle this fits right into what our big three was today. We are, our topic was people that we think of in relation to resiliency. So does anybody come to mind when you think of the example of resiliency in their life, whether it's somebody famous or somebody you look up to that you can think of off the top of your head?
3: Uh, I mean, you know, you know, so many Um You know, so, so many, I, I, I'm just trying to think, you know, offhand. I, um, uh, now, now do, I, do I have to pick somebody famous?
0: No, that doesn't have to be. No. It, it's whatever comes to you. I mean, when we Alex and I both wrote down ideas and the folks will hear it in the big three at the end of the podcast, but we originally started with of all time and there were so many choices, it was impossible to get down to three. So we just yeah. did <laughs> uh, of the modern times, but I mean, you can do, doesn't have to be someone famous, it could definitely be someone in your life. Yeah, so,
3: so I, I, I would go with you. something that's kind of near and, and, and dear to me. And I'm going to go with my father. Uh, mm. and, and, and the reason I say that is because, um, you know, born in, in kind of, you know, backwoods of uh, East Texas in Marshall, you know, reared in city housing projects mm. uh, in, in Dallas, Texas, right? You know, brokenness all around him. Uh, but he had a resolve to set kind of a, another course, you know, for his legacy and, and, and for his family. And, um, you know, so uh, with that in mind, it was sort of first to graduate high school, first to go to college, right, you know, and stay in focus uh, with riffraff and all sorts of things all around him, right, you know. Um, and so I, I say resilient because, uh, as he kind of described to me, you know, growing up, the things he had to walk past every day. Mm -hmm. right uh you know uh and stay focused on the task at hand you know and then also talks to me about people sort of in the same environment that went wayside that couldn't make it past all those obstacles and distractions right in their way uh every day right you know so you had to be kind of resilient uh found himself in college right uh in the 60s i know we're in a in a climate of social change uh and, and a lot of things going on but you know in college uh you know saw the actually high school senior year saw the assassination of jfk you know in college saw the assassination of uh martin luther king right and and, and all those sorts of things and so kind of had to come through formative years you know in tumultuous climates right and had to be resilient right and, and come out you know with a resolve Um uh, and wrapping up a long story um you know, on one hand, you know, was able to kind of, you know, I, I said that my dad's kind of a, a, a person of, of ones, right? And he had one job, one wife, one barber that he still goes to. He still goes to the same barber that he went to in college. Yeah, you know, I think he's just a couple of years older than him. And, wow. and so when I was using that example of sort of core values, right, he's kind of exercising his core values. But I brought up those other examples to say, you know, while holding the core values, had to adapt, Right. You know, to things that have changed. I'm talking about the 60s. Now talking about 2020. Right. You know, so how do you be consistent and congruent, but still adapt, you know, um, some 60 years later? Right. Um, So anyway, uh, that's kind of an example that I can speak to uh, directly. Uh, Don't know if it fully answers the question, but he's certainly a resilient uh, man with a lot of resolve for me.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great, I think it's a great answer. I think for the people out there, I think a lot of people would, you know, hopefully look to their parents and say the same, um, you know, and hope to people look to their people in their lives, you know, to be the same. So I think that's great. I think that, you know, if you can see that in your parents and, you know, I know that you do the same with your kids and we're looking to do that with our future children and people around us. So I think, I think it's a great way to put it. So Bobby, thank you for coming on. Thank you for the insight as always. And we look forward to talking next week. Appreciate it guys.
1: I was heading to the cool down. So Tangin, what are you reading, listening to right now to help you with,
0: you know, productivity or your own personal growth? So this week I have been listening to a podcast called How I Built This on NPR mm-hmm. radio. Uh, really it focuses on entrepreneurs um, talking about their stories of how they started their company, what they face in adversity, really tips and tricks to get through some of that. And I think that really has been helping me with understanding how to navigate things as a small to medium sized businesses business as well as getting through you know some of the tough times that are impacting us externally right now I also uh, have been reading a bunch of articles off the website inc.com there's just a lot on there as far as things that help you professionally and personally with your development so those have been the things I've been focusing on this week how about you
1: Nice. Uh, I bought a book on Amazon about a week back. I saw it on Twitter. It's called 100 Amazing Facts About the Negro. Um, literally got off Amazon for like five bucks. And it's just interesting. You know, the more and more you learn about inventions that African-Americans have made um, that we use every single day. Um, and it kind of ties just into our game time topic of just resilience, Um, regardless of the situations that we're facing in America. Um, a lot of people in African-American community have just overcome those and just have led a full, meaningful lives. And also, just to show you, I mean, there's so much history from, from all cultures that's just out there hidden in books. And For sure. it's exciting to read through and find them sometimes.
0: Yeah, I mean, definitely. If you look back at history, right, history is written by the victors oftentimes. So it's interesting uh-huh. to see you know stuff that may have come from you know oppressed groups or from groups that you know may not have had as much power at the time so i think that's really interesting to read stuff like that so i completely agree it's pretty
1: cool i'm just getting started on it so let's jump into the big three baby some people in history uh that have been resilient and some of that come to mind when we think of the relationship so what's your f- wait, wait 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 let's say you got me honorable mentions this week before we jump into the big three
0: okay so like I said, I wanted to keep this kind of recent because I think mm-hmm. we could go back. I mean, I think the obvious choice here for the all time Brazilian person is Jesus, but yeah, yeah. I'm going to, <laughs> I'm, we're going to keep it, um, modern here. So my, uh, honorable mention is Josh Hamilton who played outfielder for the Texas Rangers, okay. uh, dealt with, you know drug addiction dealt with a bunch of other stuff and you know found ways to become resilient to make it back to major league baseball and to become an mvp so i think that is uh you know the definition of resilience and being able to bounce back how about you
1: that's a solid one so my honorable mention um these guys ended up being uh nba champions but they're the way their stories all started off are really 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 you know they could have stopped playing basketball as soon as they as soon as they uh these adversities because i mean michael Jordan cut from his high school team didn't even make the varsity yeah Scottie pippen was a team manager in college and dennis robin was homeless at one point before he went to community college and started playing basketball so i mean wow like to come back from that i mean i literally would have just stopped playing basketball if i thought about some of those situations you know but all of them continue to continue through on the grind and they'll be an nba champions man that's crazy
0: those are those are fantastic, honorable mentions. <laughs> I think across <laughs> the board, I completely agree. Uh, my first one, right, um, is J.K. Rowling, uh, who is the author of Harry Potter. So I think most of us listening have either read or watched um, her books. And so I think the thing a lot of people might not know is that she was a single mother on welfare before that and wrote most of the books and ideas for um you know, starting on a napkin at a bar and really just found a way to kind of grow out of that. She was actually rejected by all 12 of the first publishers she went to. Mm -hmm. So I think her story of, you know, being resilient, of finding a way to continue to move forward and really focusing on her goal, I think is really, really, you know, inspiring.
1: Well, took the words out of my mouth. That was my first one as well. Uh, (laughs) Also just wanted to mention, you know, divorced, you know, could barely feed a child in 1994, six years before our first book came out, couldn't afford a computer, couldn't afford, you know, the typewriter. So, you know, it just goes to show you, man, just doing what you have to do to get your dreams out there is what it is. You know, that's what it has to take sometimes.
0: Yeah, for sure. I completely agree. So my second one um, is Kurt Warner. Uh, Kurt Warner was a quarterback in the NFL, Super Bowl champion is now on uh, a network announcing, you know, football on Sundays and as a commentator in a very successful life. What a lot of people don't know is that before he was with the Rams and having the success he was, he was actually bagging groceries at the mm-hmm. local grocery store because his career didn't pan out after college. And so I think his ability to focus on, you know, his personal growth and his growth on the field and then come back and, you know, win a Super Bowl, I think is really, really inspiring. Awesome. Uh, also my number two. So, Usually when we do these
1: lists, but I guess we are playing history right now. But Kurt Warner was also my number two uh, from Northern Iowa College to arena football to NFL to the Super Bowl MVP and now actually a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Um, and all that came from being an undrafted quarterback, man. That's crazy story, crazy story. So look, I'm going to go with my number three first yep. before you still be another one. But yep. I don't think you'll have this one. Um, so my third one is producer and actor Tyler Perry, uh, going from abused as a child, kicked out of high school, uh, was homeless at one point, you know, took odd jobs here and there to, to pay for his first stage plays that he wanted to produce. And the first one was a failure, like complete failure. Like was, uh, they were off the scene and that first weekend only like 30 people showed up and honestly, he kept doing more and more, saving up for more and more, um, didn't break through until his seventh one, which was six years later. And now he has his own TV production studios, has his own movies, and literally, I mean, not just a studio. He has a studio that's bigger than Disney, Warner Brothers, Paramount, and Sony combined. Yeah, that's an I empire. Mean, is it? Crazy. Tyler Perry
0: has an empire for sure. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: Um, so I did not, I didn't have him in my top three, but he was one of my honorable mentions in case one okay, got good, taken. Good. So that's good. <laughs> so my last one is actually Jay-Z. So Jay-Z, everyone knows him now as you know an icon a producer a mogul an entrepreneur all this stuff but i think a lot of people didn't know is that when he first started he was turned down by so many record labels and producers mm. that he started his own right that's what started rock nation and so wow. i think you know him realizing that i have this dream and this is what i'm going after and this is what it's going to take to get there is really cool and that he followed through on that and obviously now is you know, huge mm-hmm. and massive and, you know, moving really quickly towards the billionaire category, which is really impressive. Absolutely, man. And and everybody loves an underdog
1: story. You know what I mean? I mean, it is great to see that the people that are all the way at the top right now had to face some small adversity or some type of adversity that have, they had to push through and it ultimately made them stronger in the long haul. So when we go through adversity, ourselves as you know small business owners and and just regular people out here in the world we should we shouldn't feel like it's just on us we shouldn't feel like we're the only ones getting picked on at the moment everybody kind of goes through it in life
0: yeah that's the takeaway that i hope people take from this episode whether it's from the conversation with Brian Cooper with Bobby or with some of the things we just mentioned is that you know really at the end of the day what we're hoping you get from this is you're not alone in this right everyone mm-hmm. is facing adversity everyone is facing difficulties and Building resiliency is about, you know, empowering yourself, but also, you know, like I said, finding that community that can support you through it. So I think that's great. Speaking of community, uh, we actually have another Q&A section this week. So thank you to the people that wrote in. We had a couple to choose from and ended up choosing uh, this question. So after last week's episode, I took a look at my business and realized we make similar mistakes over and over. Any tips to help prevent this. So for those that maybe didn't listen last week, um, our episode was on mistakes. We had Jared Kahalo on to talk about, you know, mentality and how to overcome that. So I think to go to this question, um, I'll go ahead and take a stab first, Alex, and then yeah, go ahead. I'll kick it over to you. So when I think about, uh, you know, a business that's making the same mistakes over and over and over again, I think that's really common, right? I think that's common in our own lives. I think that's common in our own families and our own practices, but really, when we see that with clients, what we focus on is understanding, documenting, and evaluating, right? So really, what do I mean by that? So what is causing the mistake? You need to figure out what is causing the mistake. If it's, you know, we're consistently undercharging someone for something, well then, let's go look at how we build out our pricing structure for a product. If it's, we're consistently late on delivering something, well, do we need to change our promise date because of our production, you know, time or speed, if it's our product consistently, isn't up to quality. Well, then we can work on quality standards that may raise the cost or may raise, you know, may increase the time um, that it takes to get a product done. But if it's correct, I think there's a lot of value there in your personal life. Right. I think when you look at your business, if you're making the same mistakes personally, right, being late to work, maybe missing something, I think you need to come up with a checklist. Um, and I know that always works for us and works for our clients as far as you know what are the steps to get to this point. So for me, I think practically, it's really understanding the cause, um, coming up with a you know a checklist either daily, weekly, or monthly that make sure you cover those items. And then you know having some sort of dashboard having some sort of of KPI that you can understand how often these mistakes continue to occur so that you can not only predict when they're going to occur, but also you know try and see if your efforts to minimize them are actually working. What do you think, Alex? Absolutely. Being
1: a management consultant, I guess we have the same amount of mind thinking of like uh, when it comes to a problem like this or a question that someone's being asked like this from one of our clients. Um, And I was thinking just the same process. Um, Should probably take just an overall look at the process. Um, It may be a kink in the supply chain um, as you're going through the procedures that lead you to the same result each and every time. Um, So you have to dig down and just find that root cause. And then that's the main thing that we want to, we want to drive our customers to find, find that root cause, find out what step in the procedure is leading you to making a reoccurring mistake. Um, and then you can assess from there, whether it be um, choosing to you know adjust the process overall or a- adjusting just that one kink in the process or that supply chain and making sure that it doesn't happen again.
0: Yeah. I think, I think those are good answers. And I think, I hope our listeners that, you know, sent that question in, or, you know, maybe that didn't send the question in, but are having the same thing, really think about, you know, those tips and it is something that really just takes, you know, frankly takes time and effort to figure out and then you can kind of come up with a plan going forward. So thank you guys for tuning in today. I think we covered a lot. I think, um, you know, the conversation with Brian Cooper was great, the content regarding resiliency, and hopefully you can apply that to your own life. So, you know, as always take time to breathe and focus on your current situation. Adversity breeds ingenuity in Alex. Wise Counsel Lisa, sustainable results.